Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Hey, everybody, we're back. It's 2022, and today's episode is appropriately about all the 2022 bows and the process of buying a new bow. This is actually an episode that's really relevant, even if you're not in the market, because we're going to go over a lot of things like the bow trends, the comparison, how I evaluate specs, what the ideal bow is for elk hunting. So definitely stay tuned. This will be a fun episode. Well, hello, Josh. One year wiser. Hello, Baxter, my expensive friend by the end of this episode. Oh, man, I'll be tempted to get a new bow. <laughs> well, actually, actually, I don't think I think I'm probably going to talk you out of one because... <laughs> I, uh, this episode all came around because I'm, my boss is like three years old now. Right. And, uh, I'm like very much in the market and after a lot of shooting and looking, I'm actually not going to get one. So really spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I know. Okay. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, yeah, you've been fun. following this stuff for a long time. How you've been following this stuff for many, many years. Uh, even before I shot bows, I was really, I just really like the tech side of it. So I was very into it. So. Yeah, uh, probably. Not, I mean, probably only like six or seven years now, but I mean, very, very deep <laughs> for six or seven years. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you've observed a lot of trends that we'll cover some macro trends. We'll look at some comparisons, we'll geek out with some specs. And then by the end of this episode, we should give, we'll be given some tips on how people should buy bows and maybe talk a little bit about elk specific stuff. Um, but the macro yeah. trends. Yeah. And I think those are really good. Like those are definitely the things that we want to hit. I think the biggest thing is that everyone buys bows wrong, right? Like at the end of the day, it's all like, I work in marketing for tech. Fortunately, I don't have to do the type of marketing that they do for bows where they just kind of make stuff up and people get people excited about things that don't matter. Like that's like the the type of marketing I don't like, (laughs) but, um, this is why we're also not sponsored. (laughs) We can say whatever we want, but I, I think people, fundamentally don't compare bows in the right way and they also buy bows that are very weird for especially for elk hunting um so there's a lot there i want to unpack but yeah so like macro but backing up like i think bows are in an interesting state now because um you know in the early thousands like 2000s you saw the speed race you saw a lot of folks trying to go from you know 300 feet per second ibos to like by probably by 2010, like 320, 325. And now we're up kind of everything's at that 335 to 340 IBO. Um, for those aren't familiar IBO, I don't even remember what it stands for at this point. It's a, um, it's an organization that standardizes how you test bows. Um, but trust me, there's some sort of weird fudging going on because some companies are like on it. Some companies are way off, but in theory, you should be able to compare the IBO speed rating of a bow to another one. Um, but anyway, bows were very much like speed. Uh, it was all about speed for a while. And then it was uh, kind of comfort and like draw ease. And now it's for some reason, it's really trended towards how quiet the bow is and how low the hand shock is. I mean, largely that's because they're just, they're bumping up against the limits of physics. Um, you, you can, there is a physical cap, no matter how strong a human being is, you can't get a bow to go faster than I think it was like 425 or 400 something feet per second. Um, and they basically approached an eff- efficient frontier on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, the speed race is kind of over with. Everyone's got a big one. And you've also seen, and I'm just kind of rambling, but I'll, the last thing I'll say for you guys questions is that you've also seen bow design really standardized in the past five years. Uh, there used to be split limbs, which are kind of what you see on everything now. There used to be single limbs. There used to be... Um, you know, parallel cams, hybrid cams. There used to be what else? Solo cams. There used to be binary systems, and pretty much everything now is binary. You know, single cam. Even Prime moved away from their stuff this year. Double limbs. So there used to be a ton of variability, but literally everyone is building almost the exact same system now. It's just flavors of the same thing, um, which is no surprise. Everything converged. Um, so anyway. Yeah, it's like there's your quick synopsis of the bow market, but all that to say, I think we're just kind of like it up. We're starting to plateau a little bit, right? Like there's still some innovation, but there's not massive differences in the bows that you used to see year over year, right? And and that makes sense, right? It's like 
<laughs> it's not like you're, if it works, it works, and you just keep building upon that. Yeah, uh, it's almost like every new iPhone that comes out, it's getting incrementally better. Where in the beginning, yeah. it was like, holy smokes, like all this new crazy stuff is is coming out. Totally. Um. So what excites you now about new bows? Like, what, uh, you know, that's what's missing? that's what I really had a hard time putting my finger on this year. <laughs> I think, you know, the the thing that would excite me. Um, like stepping back when I was where I'm at right now, I'm shooting at the PSC uh, carbon stealth. One of the original ones that it's a 33 inch axle to axle bow. Um, and it's got a smaller cam. The uh, it's binary cam system. They're one of the first folks to do the binary thing. Um, and it, it's incredibly, you're actually shooting the exact same cam. We're both shooting the SC cam. Um, and you, uh, what was I saying? Wow. Good, good with the focus tonight back on it. Um, it's, it's a really efficient cam and it's incredibly fast. It's just slightly stiff because it's a smaller cam mm-hmm. and then it, it just is a little rough on the hand shock. Right. But it's also a 3.2 pound bow. It's stinking light. <laughs> um, so my thought was, Hey, something that's slightly heavier, a little more stable, a little longer axle to axle, a little less vibration easier to draw. Like I'd be pretty excited. Um, but honestly, I didn't find anything on the market that really kind of hit, hit those different specs. Gotcha. And maybe for some of the people that are a little bit newer, maybe they're looking to get their first bow of all the different specs, like you got axle, axle, the, the weight of the bow, uh, draw weight, like what part of the specs do you think are most important to keep in mind and which parts are not? as important yeah well maybe we maybe we just do the part about like an elk hunting bow now because there's really there's so many different types of bows right when you're talking about modern compounds i think there's generally speaking there's like target archery bows um, which are like very long axle to axle bows that are really heavy um, and designed for um designed to be really forgiving and really easy to shoot um, and those are generally going to be 35 to 40 something inches brace or uh, sorry, axle to axle length, like really big. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, but that's not something most folks here are worried about. There's generally two types of bows when it comes to hunting bows. Um, right now it's, it's been this interesting development because every company used to kind of have their one size 32, 33 inch axle to axle bow. But now we're seeing this thing. It started with Matthews introducing like the Halon or what was the one after the Halon? I forget. It was like 28 inches axle to axle. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got an ultra short one. And then generally speaking, they've got a longer 33 to 35 inch brace height bow um, in their line. So if you look at most companies, they've kind of split that now. Um, and that is because of some big differences in like how people hunt and what they're doing. And I think that's another message I'd really get across to guys when you're thinking about a bow. There's bows that are really, really good for whitetail hunting, tree stand hunting, you know, a fundamental difference is an animal that actually will jump a string, something that you're not really shooting super long range. It's got to be portable so you can fit in a tight space. Mm. And then there's what I call Western hunting bows, which border on, you know, 3D archery bows, like target shooting, um, really long axle axles. They're super stable for long shots, you know, lots of wind winds, you know, it's probably like the number one thing that screws with your bow. Um, they're a little bit heavier, right? They're a little bit faster because that matters at a longer range. Um, they need to be a little more forgiving for those longer shots. So, I mean, those two are at odds, but yeah, so there's kind of these, this split of bows. And so I think when you're buying a bow, you kind of have to pick what's the thing you do most mm-hmm. and what you're most interested in, uh, before you even get into it. And that'll dictate what specs matter. So, you know, when I think about a, like an elk hunting bow, there's obviously like speed rating, um, there's axle to axle length, there's brace heights. Um, so maybe we just go through each. I think um, there's been lots and lots of research on these different things and what actually matters in a bow. And I think one of the the things that does matter the most to me is that axle to axle length. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, if you shoot the same bow or at least the same model bow with two different axle to axle lengths, the difference in stability and your your ability to hold is massive, right? Um, that it really helps you shoot more accurately. So like, if you're going to do one thing, that's going to make a more accurate bow. I think it's longer axle to axle guys will argue that brace height, um, which is the difference between the back of the grip and the string or a fourth of an inch out the back of the grip, but we're not going to get into details, but 
that that is the the theory behind brace height is the longer the brace height, the less time the arrow spends on the string. And so then it's not going to be as affected by your little tweaks or torques or movements. Um, also, you've got kind of the the physics of the front of the bow where the limbs brace versus where your handle is. Obviously, if you held a, um, like if you just envision this, if you held um, a stick and you had like a dumbbell, right? Mm-hmm. And you were holding it straight up and down, that's pretty stable. But if you took the two weights and you moved them out like four or five inches in front of your hand, that'd be pretty hard, right? They kind of pull you right. around. And that's generally how you have to design a bow to go to a shorter brace height. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, long story short, everyone thinks brace height tends to be something that makes you more accurate. In my experience, I've shot a few six and seven inch, five inch bows back to back to back. It, it's not that big of a deal. Mm. Um, and the, the crazy thing about brace height is a general rule of thumb is you lose 10 feet per second for every inch, um, of brace height, right? So a six inch bow versus a seven inch brace height bow, do you instantly get a 10 foot per second faster bow gotcha um, so it's so, a big big one so i'm not as interested in brace height yeah while we're on uh brace height what do you think is a good inch range that's for good for elk hunting or you know i general? think any of the modern ones you know there's pretty much five six seven right now i mean five is yeah. pretty rare you get ultra speed bows that are at five um there's a practical limit there you start to hit your wrists or stuff on your wrists Mm-hmm. Um, so I think unless you're really experienced and you've got great form and, you know, it's not gonna be a problem. I'd probably advise most guys, you know, unless you know, you're in that top five or 10% of archers, stay away from that or your super short draw, um, stay away from that five inch height, but like six is totally fine. In my opinion, that's, I shoot five and seven eighths, mm-hmm. um, on my little cam. Um, and then a lot of bows right now, you see them as like seven inch brace heights, but I don't, I don't really see the use for brace heights at seven inches, which is also why I'm not stoked on this year's bows. Cause a lot of the longer brace height bows, they just assume you want a longer brace height, which is totally not true Interesting. for me, for me. Gotcha. Um, so and that's, then, yeah. So that's, those are like two of the specs, but I mean, you've got, you know, speed of the bow, you've got the mass weight of the bow, which I think for elk hunting is really important because mm-hmm. uh, you're going to carry the bow. We can talk more about that in a sec, but yeah, shoot, shoot first. And then we'll talk about those. Yeah, so we covered brace height in detail. Axle to axle, you said it was most important. I remember you telling me, was it between 33 and 35 is pretty decent for uh, basically the longer it is, the more stable it's going to be, right? Like the target bows are like, they go to like 38 or like 40 inch axle mm-hmm. to axle. Mine's 35 and I find it really nice and stable. Yep. What would you recommend as a good inch range for axle to axle for an elk hunting bow? Yeah, I think the 33 to 35 is great. Like that's a sweet spot. I'm at 33 right now. I, I shot a 34 Hoyt for a while. Defiant. I loved that. Um, I would love to go 35. I just haven't found a lightweight bow, which mm-hmm. we can talk about in a minute, like an ultra, you know, lighter bow that I can actually carry around in my hand, mm-hmm. uh, for elk hunting, which is super important to me. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great brace height, but there's, that doesn't mean that like you can't kill an elk with a 30, 28, 32 inch bow, whatever the axle to axle bow, like those are very common, but I think for guys on the East coast, they really have the question they have to answer, which is, do I want to compromise one or the other? Um, I haven't hunted enough in a tree stand to say how important a tiny bow is to that process. So I'm not going to opine on that, but, um, I think it's more about like the compromises you make, right? If you're like, nah, I can fit the 35 in the tree stand. And I'm like really gung ho on shooting an elk this year. I'd go mm-hmm. for that. And if you're like, no, nah, I'm just shoot, you know, archery whitetail all the time and small bow matters to me, then, you know, you can probably still make it work for an elk. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And then weight that, that was an interesting point. Mine is kind of heavy. My I'm looking it up. The mass weight of my bow is 4.5 pounds, but then you mm-hmm. add all the, you add the, the quiver on there, the arrows on the quiver, you add the stabilizer. I think my, my bow's between six and seven pounds with all that stuff on there. Yep. Um, so how do you think about weight when you start getting heavier or lighter? Yeah. Well, this is one that I would say, you know, the other two specs, you can't fake. So that's why I chose them first. So we didn't have to talk about the ugly side of bow manufacturing and evaluation. Um, because generally speaking, if a company says they have this spray site and that spec, it's going to be within an eighth of an inch. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to mass weight, bow companies lie and they lie like crazy. What? Um, wow. So that's the problem is that, 
when I talk about this, 90% of the guys that come across in the field are like, yeah, I have a four and a half pound bow. And I'm like, okay, did you actually weigh that bow? Or is it you just reading the specs? Because for example, the Hoyt Ultra that I'm interested in, I think it's like 4.4 pounds this year is what they're calling that. 4.3. You go into the store and you put that thing on a scale, it's 5.2 pounds. Whoa. I so they weighing it without like the screws in it like assembled or something like what's yeah you know <laughs> so they they all do these crazy tricks they take off so a lot of companies are really smart and we'll get into the shifty things they do to make it seem great in the the, the, uh, the shop but they include accessories like a little stabilizer with it mm-hmm. so that when you're in the shop you shoot the bow with the stabilizer stabilizer on it and you're like damn that feels great right no surprise you're shooting a, a bow that has another pound on it um so they include that stuff. They include all the boat dampers. They include all the limb dampers. They include uh, typically like all the stuff that goes on the string. They pull that off. They do all sorts of shifty stuff to weigh it at whatever difference versus yours is a PSE. PSE is almost true to a fault. They actually don't even put dampers on a lot of bows. And what you typically what they say when it comes out of the package, if they say four or five, it is four or five, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's kind of one of my first things that guys absolutely need to do. If you're evaluating a bow, you need to go in and actually weigh it in the shop or have them weigh it for you. Um, because there's a huge difference, but the reason that the reason weight is important in elk hunting to me, and I think we've been over this in some of our tactics and strategy things is that, um, let's back up weight. Weight is a good thing, right? Like it's not bad. The more weight, typically the more stable your shot. Um, when it comes to shooting the bow, when it comes to moving around, more weight is a bad thing. So you're kind of stuck in this in between, right? And elk cunning, I mean, you can uh, like, you know, I never want you to feel like you got to say what I agree with what I say, but hopefully this one resonates with you. But like the amount of times I've been walking through the woods and an elk is suddenly there or a situation goes super quick is insane. And I do not ever, ever want to have a bow that I can't carry in my hands 24 seven. Um, and if you get to a heavy bow, all of a sudden you've got to put it on your pack, but oh wait, you can't put it on your pack because it'll rub the cables raw. So now you've got to get a bow harness. No, the bow harness weighs a half a pound or a pound. And then the bow harness takes 20, 30 seconds to take on or put off, you know, take off, right? Like it's this kind of slippery slope of a ton of weight and making it inaccessible to yourself. Mm-hmm. So to me, I really, really want to hold my bow in one of my hands at all times, every waking moment. Even when I'm taking a piss, I like set it right next to me because the one of the elk I killed, right? I was eating dinner, set it next to me. Yep. So I killed it. Um, so I'm not just talking out of my butt here. I've got real examples, right? But so that weight, that weight is actually really important for elk hunting. And you know, maybe there's like manly Navy SEAL type dudes or guys that at least think they are. They're like, oh, you guys are pansies. But for me, like carrying around one of these quote unquote four and a half pound bows. It's actually five something pounds bare, bare bow is man. That's a chore. That's a real deal. That's like another, that's literally two pounds heavier than my current bow. So, mm-hmm. um, you, and you felt that with shotguns, right? Like the difference between oh my a gosh. Yeah, that, six pound shotgun and eight pound shotgun is like a boat anchor. Yeah. It just gets annoying. And I think that that's another important part is you never want it to f- you never want like reservations about carrying the boat. You, you, you're already tired out there the third day. You never want to be tempted to be like, man, I'm just going to put this bow over my shoulders now. And then bam, elk pops out. Like you, you just don't yep. want that to be part of the equation while you're elk hunting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I totally agree. And my bow is super heavy. It's like yeah. with all the stuff on there, it's like seven pounds. So I, or I think six, seven pounds, something like that. So I yep. actually end up always carrying the bow in my right, most of the time in my right hand because I want to save my left shoulder. Cause I know I'm going to have to keep yeah. use my left shoulder to keep stabilized, but that's something I have to think about for someone yeah. like you. You don't even have to think about that probably. No, totally. And I think your, <laughs> I mean, your, your bow is actually kind of a midweight bow because it is a 4.5 pound bow in spec, but that's PSE 4.5, which is actually 4.5 versus a lot of these Matthews and Hoyts. Um, even Botex right now that say 4.6, 4.7 or actually five and a half, five something. And they're like a whole nother pound, um, which, uh, we, you know, it's, we probably can't like keep this cut and dry. We're just going to kind of do it all at once. But the reason they do that is that if you shoot like without a doubt, if you add more pound or more weight to a bow, more mass makes it hold more steady in the shop and it makes it a lot less vibration and a lot less noise. Mm. 
So one of the number one things they say to guy when you're eval- guys when you're evaluating Bo is like, the, here's the situation. I walked into the shop last week. I'm looking at the PSC Levitate, which is the carbon bow, which has been kicking Hoyt's butt for years um, in construction and design. I'm not saying everything. I'm not like I own a Hoyt. I own a PSC. I don't. I just buy whatever company I like best each year. Um, Hoyt came out with a monocoque riser, which we can talk about in a minute. Finally, like after what ten years. Um, I pick up the levitate, shoot it. Definitely, you know, tiny bit of vibration there. I shoot the Hoyt RX-7 Ultra. The thing is dead. I mean, it's amazingly dead. But the guy's like, oh my gosh, the hand shock on that levitate is insane, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, but the thing's a pound and a half lighter. Right, <laughs> like, right. Go get me a pound and a half of stabilizer weight and throw it on here and the thing's going to feel like a dream. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so guys, that's what happens. These guys walk into a shop, they shoot a bare bow, which is not the way you're actually going to carry it. And they don't actually weigh the bows. So they go, oh, no, no, no. On the website, it says 4.3 versus 3.6, when in reality, it's almost two pounds heavier. Wow. Um, so it's, that, that's one of the things we're going to talk about today is like, there's a lot of things that guys don't think through or don't actually compare for themselves um, on specs of the bow. Yeah. But yeah, it's, so I think that mass weight for elk hunting in particular, backpacking approach, or even just walking approach, uh, it's a really, like weight is actually something that matters. Um, and so my dream bow would be one that has a really long axle to axle length, but it's still really light because then I can put more weight on the stabilizer if I want, which is exactly what I'm doing with my, my stealth 3.2 pound bow, but I actually have a lot of weight on an offset stabilizer. Right. So when it comes to weight for maybe someone picking out their first bow or for elk specific, what range for like the quote unquote mass weight that it comes with, would you say is good if you can weigh it on a scale? Yeah. Well, I think it's about, um, it's about knowing yourself as always. Like I, you know, I, like I'm a relatively, I'd probably say I'm like a medium light build. You're probably mm-hmm. like pretty light. I'm like medium light. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there's guys that are like built like a tank or just don't care, care about stuff. So it's going to change. Um, so that was a hard one to give an answer for. Um, but I would say, you know, if I'm buying a bow, I really want something that's as close to like that four to max, like four and a half pounds of actual weighted on a scale weight with the dampers and all the stuff on it. Yeah. Um, and by stuff, you don't mean like the accessories, like the, no, I just mean like the true bear bow with all right. the, the dampers and the, you know, all the, the handle on it. You know what I mean? Like right, right. <laughs> the way you'd actually pick it up in the shop mm-hmm. um, is probably what I would target. And like, that's, that was where it's interesting. That's where bows were about four to five years ago. You know, that part of the reason I didn't end up buying the RX-7 Ultra as I went into the garage and found my 34-inch yeah, defiant aluminum bow and was like, wow, this is basically the same bow. It's almost the same speed, no matter what they say. When you look at it in a chronograph, it's 34 inches axle to axle. It's 4.2 pounds, actually. It's like, they kept like, what? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's interesting how they've kind of gone away from that. But again, it's, that's the, the whole reason they do that is in the, in the shop syndrome, you know, like I shot it in the shop and it felt better than no doubt. It's going to feel better than one that doesn't have that weight on it. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of going off on a little rant there, but <laughs> yeah, I think those are mostly the specs I care about in the bow. Um, okay. so the other ones, other things. Um... That are like interesting though guys can pay attention to is like some of the new bows allow you to tune it without a bow press that's pretty cool if you haven't if you don't have a bow press um that's pretty much the only thing i would be super interested in there's a lot of gimmicky specs um there's like new inline sights and rests um which you know i guess i never shot a bow fully set up that way so i can't talk too much but i can get my arrows within about a fourth of an inch or half an inch of the riser anyway so it's not going to make that much difference in my opinion, the new bows are a lot quieter. They're a lot deader in the hand, but I don't know. It's that's like the number one marketing thing right now. And it's, it's so hilarious. If you shot a bow from 2014, 2015, uh, the difference between that and what they consider now a really vibe, vibey bow is hilarious. Like none of the bows now are rough on vibration. So uh, I see. Yeah. What about the other specs like um, draw length, draw weight? Oh yeah, absolutely. So critical. Sorry, I totally, totally ripped by those. And then we didn't even talk IBO. Um, draw length, like that's we've talked about that on another episode, and I won't deep dive there because like that's super important. What I will say is when we're talking about things bow companies lie and lie big about, 
They lie huge about speed. And one of the ways they lie about speed is with draw length. So almost every bow draws long. So if you have a bow that's like a Hoyt, typically you'll draw like a half an inch long. Oh, in my experience, a lot of stock ones. So every, we talked about this, right? Every inch gives you 10 feet per second. So if the guy goes to the shop, says set it at 29, he shoots it through a chrono. Guess what? It's going to be five feet per second faster than it really is. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you look at a lot of these videos on YouTube and other places, guys pull these stock bows out of the container and go, yeah, hey guys, 29, boop, right through the thing. Yeah, no, no, look at how fast that is. And it's like, well, yeah, man, it's five feet a second faster. Because at the end of the day, you can't, you cannot extend your draw length. Like you have to shoot a certain draw length to be accurate. We talked before about how much difference an eighth of an inch of draw length makes mm -hmm. in your accuracy and hold. Um, and that's one thing I really do like about some of these bows is that the uh, the let off the 80, 85, 90%, which we can talk about too, that the way they do that is they actually just let you draw an eighth of an inch longer or shorter, which is also the reason you don't see any speed differences in those settings, right? Because if it, even though it's a larger let off, it's an eighth of an inch longer draw. So they offset each other, hmm. right? So it's only about a foot per second difference. Um, but long story short with that stuff, like you, the companies kind of lie with that too, right? Um, so to really get a good apples to apples comparison, you have to get something that is on a draw board at 29, something that is on a draw board at 29 and the same poundage, right? Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I will say about bows and poundage is that, uh, and then we'll talk about speed because it's the most screwed up one, but this is another way companies kind of lie in the inverse about speed. So you might get a speed bow that says, hey, uh, 350 feet per second, right? But there's a mellower bow like this Hoyt Ultra that says 334 feet per second. Now, the reality of that is that I can't pull that speed bow at 70, but I could probably pull that Ultra at 70. So you can't really make a total comparison by going, oh, I can pull 65 pounds. That one would be 16 feet per second faster. Because in reality, I could pull another five pounds with that Ultra because it's got such a mellow draw cycle and a mellow cam that that will actually make up for some of that. It might only be an eight or 10 foot per second difference. That makes mm. stuff. I'm starting to complicate things and really scare some guys, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, different parts of the equation are coming together. But yeah. uh, no, that makes sense. It, it's just it. So, real quick, when you said they lie about draw length, does that mean? So, I'm looking at that at the tag, it can say, 26.5 to 32 inches the range yes. does that mean it actually goes 27 to 32 and a half like generally speaking yes uh, yeah so if you're looking at different the other thing we've seen a lot you know if you looked at the bow trends past um you know, past 10 years you so when you cut when it comes to the cam of a bow you can only optimize for one position on that bow well, on that cam, sorry, because you're using a fixed leverage curve, right? The, it's metal. You can't change the way it's shaped, right? Um, all they're doing with that little mod on the cam that allows you to change your draw length is just stopping the thing from rotating a little bit earlier. So what I'm trying to say is your, your bow is most efficient at exactly one length. Mm -hmm. And the further you get away from that length, the less efficient it is. So 10 years ago, you saw two, three cam sizes you saw you know 29 to 31 27 to 29 25 to 27 inches of draw length because companies recognize that and they thought that people recognize that as well what they've realized over time is that having three different bow skews in the shop it is like really a logistical nightmare and it's a real pain for the companies it makes resale matthews for example used to have mods on every um bow i think they still do on some of them um uh, but they had a mod, a mod that would only allow you to get one draw length. So you had to buy the 28.5 inch draw length mod, right? Like your cam only worked at one draw length. And that's a nightmare for bow companies. Prime used to be that way too. Um, because like I said, you can't resell it. Now they've got to keep all these bows and parts in stock. So pretty much every company has started to move away from that and go to a system that either has one cam that works from 27 to 31, or maybe two cams that work like half and half. And so what ends up happening is that, again, this is another way speed is lied about. They'll tell you your IBO is X, Y, Z, but on a 30-inch bow draw length that goes down to 27, if you're a 28-inch 
you know, draw a person, you're probably actually going to pull 27, five, mm-hmm. you've lost a crazy amount of efficiency at that point versus a bow with a slower IBO rating might actually be faster for you. If they have a cam that tops out at 27, five, does that make sense? Interesting. Yes. So there's a lot, there's so many things here that all build on each other um, for these bows. And I think that's what it comes down to speed is that at the end of the day, no one's really holding these people accountable. IBO is not a powerful organization. No one's sense checking what they're doing. Um, so the reality of it is, is the way I evaluate all these bows is I look at you know, all these different um, bow channels now. Like I really wish I could be that guy, but hey, I've got a job and can't do it. But they all take each of these bows, they shoot them, they put them through a chrono with the same weight arrow. And so what you can do is you simply pull up a you know backcountry bow cal- calculator or any sort of bow speed calculator and you back out what the IBO actually is. So you enter in, hey, here's what the draw length is. Yes, it's probably going to be off, but like you have to assume somehow. Here's what the poundage the guy said the thing was at. Um, this is the way to the arrow he shot, and it'll spit out. You know, it'll you can back into what the IBO would have to be to hit those specs, right? Oh, there are these calculators online, or mm-hmm. yeah, you just oh. Google it, like bow, okay. you know, bow arrow speed calculator. Gotcha. And so you can enter all that stuff in, and you can you know after two or three channels, put out the review of the example of the Hoyt Ultra. It's pretty clear to me that the real IBO of that bow is somewhere around two twenty six to two twenty eight. Whoa, that's way lower. No, that's not way lower by most standards. That's pretty low though. But some of these some of these bows will say three forty, and they're actually around three twenty eight, three twenty six, twenty five. Interesting. Um, versus my, you know, my PSC now, the actual, like me shooting through a chrono doing the same process, I'm getting 342. Mm-hmm. So the thing wow. is smoking fast um, compared to these, these bows. And so the old, for example, the old Hoyt Defiant, they claimed 325 and it actually is around 324. So it's pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. They've gotten further and further off it as time goes on. And they're just trying to find some way to claim they've got faster speeds a lot of the time, right? Um, so that's how I compare bows on a speed basis, right? Like to think about that final metric we're talking about, which is that, that IBO speed is I actually go look at the YouTube videos or if I can, I'll chrono it myself. Um, and again, chronographs can be different. Try to find the same bow channel. If you're comparing a bow to another bow to see what the chron- their chronograph is saying. So you're using the same one, right? Like you'll never be perfectly accurate, but you can be pretty precise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really what it comes down to for me when I'm comparing the speed. And that's really the only thing I'm evaluating before I go into a bow shop. Because no bow shop wants to deal with me doing that there. They're like, <laughs> yeah, screw you, man. Um, yeah. So I basically just look at all the different speeds when bows like this come out and like back it out by looking at those sorts of things and go, okay, that bow's 15 feet a second slow. That one's five. That one's 10. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. So, we gone so, deep down the rabbit hole yet, Josh? <laughs> oh my gosh, we went way deeper than I expected. Although yeah. I didn't know what else I should have expected <laughs> from Baxter, right? But uh, real quick, back on the note about draw length and uh, range and the draw weight. What I mean, I guess draw length, you just make sure your draw length is in the bow. And then for draw weight, how about picking a weight? For the bow. Yeah, and I, I mean, oh my gosh, dude, those are whole episodes on themselves. Draw length. Maybe we, we do like bow fundamentals. Most vast majority of guys are far too long on the draw length, far too long. Like we can't do this. It's going to take me 20, 30 minutes. So just make sure you have a professional look at your, your draw length. If you, if you're not sure and tell you what your right one is, and then you just have to stick to it. Mm-hmm. Um, with bows, this is also a really interesting one with speed ratings. You know, a lot of these, this is going to sound like a non sequitur, but I'm coming back. Don't worry. You know, a lot of the minimum poundage ratings on bows were 40 pounds. And those were set up in like the early 2000s and like by like Montana and Idaho and Colorado, I think 35, 40, and 45 pounds respectively. Um, and it's really funny because your bow, your IBO rating on your bow used to be 300 pounds or feet a second, sorry, 300 feet per second. And so now your bow is at 345 feet per second. So you've gained, you know, 40, 45 feet a second for the same amount of effort, right? Um, and if you think about that in terms of pounds, the general rule is every pound of bow weight is like two feet per second. So we're talking about what used to take a 60 to 65 pound bow now takes a 40 pound bow. 
yet those yet Idaho, Montana, Colorado has not changed that standard in two decades. Hmm. So that to me is part of the reason that everyone gives me crap about, oh, my, your wife draws 41. Like, how is that ethical for an elk? I'm like, dude, that's a, that's a 66 pound bow from 19 or 2001. Oh, that's all messed up. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's no problem at all. So right. I, the whole reason I give you that, that diatribe is that guys are so overbowed now where they believe they've got to shoot a 70 pound bow to be a macho man. And, you know, I, I can shoot a 70 pound bow. So I'm not just talking crap. Cause I can't, I mean, I shoot 67 just cause I think that's a great, like mellow thing I can shoot all day long, but I, I, there's no reason anybody has to shoot over a 60 pound bow for it to kill an elk now, unless you have a really short draw length. Right. Um, cause it's all about, yes, draw length and poundage are the two things. It's three things. It's the speed rating of your bow, the poundage at which your bow operates your peak weight poundage, and then, um, your draw length that dictates speed. So if okay. you're, you know, if you're a very short draw, you might have to compensate a little bit, but if you're a standard guy, 28, 28 and a half inch draw, there's just no reason you have to shoot over a 60 pound bow to kill an elk. Yeah, uh, it's so, more about shooting a heavy arrow, but we've gone on about that a ton. Just make so sure you shoot a heavy arrow. If I had two bows, they're exactly the same. Um, I let's say I can shoot, let's say someone can shoot sixty-five pounds, and the the bow comes. No, sorry, let's back up. Let's yep. say I can shoot sixty pounds, yep. and the bow comes in sixty, sixty-five, or seventy for the max draw weight. Which, yep. which one does it matter? Which one I pick? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, the bows almost always pull a little heavy. So if you buy a 70 pound bow, typically you get a 71 to 73 pound draw weight. Uh, okay. Because companies are much more worried about you not having enough than you having too much. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. another important thing is you might buy that 70 pound bow and wind it all the way down. It's actually 73, you know, 72. That's freaking hard. Um, so I would say that. The other thing that has been a really positive change in bows is it used to be two or three turns was kind of the max they would let you take, but now you can take up to like 10 turns on a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, that, that does a lot of weird things to brace height and string angles and um, tension on limbs. And like, I, I wouldn't recommend that, mm -hmm. but they've gotten a lot more forgiving in terms of like the range you can use. So, you know, I think for a new guy out there, I would get the peak at which you like maximum would want to pull. Okay. So say you're like, I'm a totally new guy to archery. Um, go into the shop and pull a few first. And like, oh, like we were just were talking about this beforehand. Archery of all the sports, I have competitively raced downhill mountain bikes. That's injury central. I have, you know, a sponsored surfer for a while. That's injury central, small injuries, but lots of tiny injuries. Um, what other stupid stuff have I done? I've done a lot of sports that are high injuries. I've never been in a sport that is easier to do muscle damage to yourself than archery. It is so easy to pull too heavy and just tear a, um, tear a very small muscle in your shoulder. Like dude, just, Oh my gosh. And then also you're like, you're, we talked about this when you're doing things early on, like it's so easy to build really bad form and overcompensate with the bow just cause you're overbowed. Mm -hmm. um, and most importantly for elk hunting, like I think one of the key criteria for a bow in my mind, when we're talking about draw cycle, which we'll get to in a minute, is your ability to let down because that happens a lot in elk hunting. Right. Um, and elk don't really care as much about noise or movement if you've done the right, you know, if they're not looking at you versus whitetails, like, you know, <laughs> I think. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. Gone. Um, so your ability to let down is really important too. And that's so all that to say, like, I would rather people underbow than overbow. Um, gotcha. So yeah. pick the draw weight that is possibly the max that you'd be willing to shoot. Yep. I bought, I did, I did this the wrong way. I bought a 70 pound bow when I first went in and I can pull set 70 pounds. Like we talked about that, but in retrospect, I wish I bought a 65 or a 60 pound bow even, and just shot it all day at like 58 pounds to begin. And then worked mm. up to like low sixties and stayed there. Gotcha. Um, I think I shot my first elk at 64, but okay, that was because I hurt myself pulling 67 and then had to back it off to 62. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. What happened yeah. with me when I first bought the bows, I shot like, oh, I don't even know, like a hundred plus arrows the first day, like just never using that muscle ever before. And now it's just, so I started overcompensating and I injured my shoulder and I couldn't shoot for like a week or two. 
Uh, yep. had to do all these stretches and stuff. And then I just injured my back doing the same thing, having not shot the bow in a long time, coming back and shooting a ton for like three days. And now my back is yep. tweaked up. So totally with you on the injury front. Well, there's a, there's a great saying in sailing. It's like, there's no old sailors. Uh, we're sorry. There's old sailors and there's bold sailors. There's not both, <laughs> right? Like you're going to die. If uh, you're, and I think that applies kind of to archery draw lengths. There's, you know, strong archers and there's long archers or guys that have been in the sport for a long time and you don't see both. <laughs> Go talk to any guy who's been shooting bows for 10 years and he'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I started at 70 and like my shoulders really hurt now and I'm down to 55, mm-hmm. right? Like if you started at 65 or 62, you probably wouldn't have wrecked your shoulders and you'd probably still be shooting 62 or 65. Right. Yeah, it's the same with like marathon running. People are like, oh, running yep. a marathon is inherently bad for your knees. No, if you build up over years to then run yeah. your first marathon, take it real slow, it doesn't have to be bad for your knees. But uh, most people are like, okay, I'm going to run a marathon in six months. And then they just tear their knees apart. Yeah. So this is just the mid 30s, me trying to scare the crap out of 20s me <laughs> so that I actually buy a bow that's not overbowed you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. but anyway we're kind of we're kind of off the 2022 bows thing but yeah those are good <laughs> questions for guys that are like totally net new to to building them you know totally yeah so them, I say. yeah back to the 2022 new stuff so yeah what's what's not exciting this year i guess <laughs> yeah well no i think like so here's the other thing and the reason i said this at the beginning of the episode um for guys that aren't buying this year like hopefully you've learned a lot just from listening the last little bit but i also think that like there are good bows and like if i didn't have a good bow i would be buying one this year and i think one of the coolest things about paying a lot of attention each each year is that it's really really good to buy used bows bows typically go like if you're going to buy a 1500 brand new bow it's going to drop to 800 750 bucks in a year mm-hmm. so you can buy a bow that's a year or two old um and save a ton of money and to you it'll be a massive difference because it's a year or two newer right mm-hmm. um so all that to say, I'm not trying to poo-poo the 2022 bows just for my criteria and what what I was looking for. I just don't think there's enough value, even though my bow is three years old. I don't see enough change to make me want to drop, you know, twelve hundred to eighteen hundred dollars on a bare bow. Mm-hmm. And if you buy an eighteen hundred dollar bare bow, a lot of these new ones now have to buy a new sight and a new quiver and a new all these things. They've changed the mounting style. So. But yeah, so I think you know we're talking bow manufacturers. So I've shot a lot of them already. I've looked at a bunch of them. Obviously, I paid a lot of attention to the releases. Um, the one that was most exciting to me this year was Hoyt. Um, Hoyt actually built a monocoque riser this year, style riser. So there's a lot of different carbon construction ways. The way, uh, like a monocoque riser is like a solid fill, like a foam um, substrate, typically, and then they put. Um, carbon fiber around that and they tension the skin. This is kind of the modern way of doing carbon fiber. It's how they've been doing F1 cars for about 15 years. Um, they've been doing bikes this way with like a bladder inflation style uh, creation. You basically put all of the weight and the stress on the carbon fiber on the shell of something. Um, the way Hoyt's been building carbon for a long time has been just tubes that they glue together. It looks cool, but it's pretty antiquated and pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, long story short, Hoyt did that. They claim they saved a ton of weight. They did save some weight um, by doing that. So they kind of got competitive with the PSE um, bows that were being built that way for multiple years now. Um, and so that one was really excited about. Um, I went and shot them and like they're, oh my gosh, that Ultra is dead in hand. Like it's, you know, it's like the like the Matthews and Matthews kicked that trend off with the Halons and a lot of these other ones that were very, very dead. Um, so that's really impressive and it's pretty cool, but again, it's five and a half pounds. Um, it's really slow. It's really slow. I mean, it's like five, it's like 328 actual IBO. So it's easy to draw heavy. Like you could get another five pounds out of that bow easy, but, um, that's not going to make up for that. So for me, I was like, I don't know, 1800 bucks for this. They've still got a long way to go with the cam system. Um, but anyway, that's, I think if you're a Hoyt guy and you shot RX seven or five and RX three, uh, the seven is a tangible big difference in draw ease and like vibration and noise. Um, so that's a really cool bow. I think that's, um, pretty fun. Regular carbon RX seven and the ultra are both really cool. And the, the other two aluminum versions, I forget what those are called. Um, so that was fun one, but to me, 
that combined with the price and the fact that I'd have to get a new site mount, I'd have to get a new, well, I don't have to get a new rest, but I probably would want to and yada, yada. Um, just didn't quite do it for me. Mm. Um, so that was one. Botech, you know, they're there, they're doing good stuff. They've got some tweaks on theirs. I've, they're generally aluminum risers are generally pretty heavy. Um, I just never got along with them, which is the number one thing I'll say, like, if there's one thing guys can take away from this, like a lot of other equipment, you get all psyched about the idea about it. You read the marketing and then you just buy it. You don't really compare. Bows are like so individual, so individual um, in how they feel. Some stack the weight early in the draw cycle. Some it's right before you break over. Some it's like midway through the whole thing. It's stiff. Like it's if you're so like your body structure and the way you're built and the way you draw a bow might feel better for a different one. Like for me personally, I kind of hate Matthew's bows. They're always super, super heavy. They're always very top heavy to me. Um, but there's guys that absolutely stink and love those things. And so no matter how good the specs and how good the stuff, um, it, you just got to go shoot them. You have to shoot them or you're never going to know. Right. Right. Uh, which Let's, is my, my entire life and tech and business is like on direct to consumer e-commerce and like, it's just never going to work for both. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Hoyt Botech, what about the new bows Matthews is putting out or PSE? Yep. Um, I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot of really cool little innovations coming out right now. Um, like I should say like Matthews, for example, um, I really like their ability, like the little thing, I forget what they call it, that allows you to make tweaks in the field that, um, you know, hey, here's our little disclosure about lawyers and don't sue us. But like, that's the uh, the refined and lawyer approved version of like pulling your string back and sticking a screwdriver through your cam to take the tension off your stuff so you can tweak it in the field. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have another bow, you can do that. But uh, so that like standardizing that and using a string to allow you to make make uh tweaks in the field is really cool um they they have like the so matthews was the first person to come out with that like super low frontal vibration damper so they're really really dead in hand that, that, that is impressive and i think if you're on the east coast and you're worried about um whitetails hearing you and like you, you don't like that sort of thing like a lot of noise vibe like i, I understand why you might be interested in matthews to me they're one of the ultimate culprits in the weight thing. You know, they'll say, oh, well, they say, I mean, I'm just looking at one up. So they have a 29 and a 33 axle the axle this year, V3X. I mean, they'll claim, they don't even put weight in the top above the page here. You got to go down and go find it. I mean, they'll claim that thing is 4.7 pounds. But that one's that one's almost the 5.5 when you weigh it. The thing is a boat. <laughs> um, so not saying you can't carry that. It might be your perfect situation but to me that's always something that's pretty annoying um and i just don't want to deal with um so that kind of eliminates a lot of those and then also the just their top heavy nature um when i'm shooting it yeah. feels weird to me but also carrying it long distances for for elk is really weird it just kind of doesn't balance in my hand mm -hmm. um so matthews yeah that's that one the psc one um they they have the levitate which has got a bunch of new changes from the old one. There's a slightly updated riser that's got a vibration absorbing material. I think that's a third-party license of um, a technology used in road bikes I'm familiar with, but I can't be sure. Um, it's got a new cam that's slightly... It's the first time they moved away from... Uh, wow, why am I blanking on the name of the cans we're shooting? PSE? Uh, yeah, no, it's the like... Oh, what is the name of that? PSE Evoke. Um... Evo. No? Damn it. <laughs> Whatever. I'll look it up while we're talking. But um, the first time they moved away from that cam. So the draw to me was a little stiff on that one. Um, I was surprised. Like it was not, it's actually a little bit, PSD is typically actually underrated their IBO in a few situations historically. Like they're one of the few that, um, they just said, like on the stealth of the year last year, they said 332 and it was actually more like 338. It was crazy. I don't know why they did that, but um, yeah, this year it's just a little stiff to me. It's got a little bit of vibration uh, for what it is. Uh, obviously, if you put like when I chose mine, it was three point two pounds, and you put a pound of stabilizer on it, it's still a pound lighter than like the Hoyt, for example. And it's you know you hardly feel any of that. 
but just felt a little stiff um, to me. I probably would go with that one over the Hoyt if I had to choose between the two. Um, but I really like the lower stabilizer mounts on a lot of these bows because like, it's just mechanical leverage. You get more out of a stabilizer the further it is away from your hand. Um, so that's a cool development. And then you know, a lot of these bows too, they used to sell you the, the diatribe that you needed a compensating uh, cable guard that kind of bent in, but now they've all gone back to just a, an immobile one because the consistency is more important than slightly less torque on the cams. So I'm just kind of rambling on these, but these, like, these are my impressions. Hopefully they're helpful to guys, but yeah, I thought it was, you know, it's overall good, but man, the carbon bows are now 1800 bucks and the difference between that and the stealth was just not enough for me to think it was worth the, the price. Yeah. Didn't they, uh, like the high end, all the highest end bows, didn't those prices go up compared to before? Like the higher yeah, end bow? Everything. I mean, it's just the world we're in. Yeah. You pump, uh, you pump 35% of the money supply. And we're not getting into politics in the show, but it, when we increase that by 35%, um, Price turns out everyone, <laughs> everyone has 35% more money. So <laughs> this thing called inflation happens. Um, yeah, so that's happening. Gotcha. But the Levitate, yeah. Um, yeah, overall pretty good. I mean, I, I liked a lot of the little tweaks. I like that the longer limbs, that was one thing I saw with my PSE Stealth is that the, the limb hardware, the three eighths inch axles on those things versus the fourth inch axles they're on now. Um, big difference. One thing, so this is another general generalization I'll say is that um, bows have gotten harder to tune because all these companies have moved to the binary system, which is what the PSC is on as well. Um, and so the uh, the problem with that is that the only way to really move the cam and induce cam lean, which is allows you to tune left and right, is to shim the the cam. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the companies have made that easier. Hoyt came out with a new system that's actually easy to move around. Prime did as well. PSE is actually now one of the most difficult ones to shim, which is kind of funny because they were one of the first ones to allow you to shim. Um, so that is something to take into consideration. If you're like a total newbie, you're going to need a bow press to tune these bows now. Like it's not like the old hybrid cam systems where you could just, you know, use a, a use your screwdriver I talked about and, you know, twist a yoke. Um, they, they need a bow press and that's true pretty much across the board in 2022. So it's kind of a, an annoying thing. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, Someone like me, I got the PSC Evoke 35. It came out in, I believe, 2019. Mm -hmm. Knowing the incremental rate at which bows are improving now, how often, general rule of thumb, how, how often would you buy a new bow? What I would do is, I mean, it's really fun and I get super geeked out <laughs> on it. And like we've talked about it. Like, fortunately, Every I year. have more, more money than time. Like, I'm not really worried about the buying it. Mm -hmm. So, like, some guys just like to buy a bow every year. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I think like one of the things that no one talks about because obviously it's not in their interest to market it is that it takes you at least six to 12 months to get really good with a bow uh yeah yeah that's you're true you're still getting good with a bow about 12 months into shooting it especially <laughs> especially especially i don't think most guys shoot anywhere near the volume we shoot mm -hmm. um so i think there's a huge benefit to sticking with a bow for a while right um so if you're thinking about like upgrading or changing i would think about the things you don't like about that bow like what are the things you want to change um mm -hmm. i think the pscs you and i have it's evolve cam that's it i don't know why i could not remember that um i've got a slight post what i hope was covid uh <laughs> brain fog going on um well shoot where was i josh how 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 many how often should you buy a new bow yeah yeah so it's like what are the things that you don't like so mm -hmm. for our bows early on evolves there, there's a little bit of hand shock and vibration and like for me with the stabilizer i'm fine with that but you might want to get rid of that mm -hmm. um i know with the smaller cam it's a little stiff to draw you're like well, maybe i want a something that can use a standard sized cam they're not a speed kind of aggressive cam like that and just see if it's easier to pull uh one of the things about the pscs i've not a huge fan of, and I still not a huge fan of on the levitate, even though these are the bones I own and shoot every day is the letdown. Like it's a very aggressive, it's not as aggressive as I've ever seen, but it's like, there's a definitely like a jump when you drop into the Valley and it's, it can be hard to let down. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, 
if you're if you have a bow that's that is slower, like an older slower bow, I think that's probably the best case for upgrading. And I think mm-hmm. that's the problem with the bow industry right now is that that was always the reason you'd upgrade is because there's two ways to think about speed. One is, oh, cool, I get another 10 feet a second. The other is awesome. Now I can drive or draw five pounds less, right? Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. If you draw five pounds less, you'll never hurt your shoulders. You'll have a much quieter bow. Um, you'll uh, be practice able to let longer. down super easy, practice longer. Um, so I think that's a that's like if guys are really like, I need a new bow, you go chrono your bow so you know what your action and back it out so you know what your actual IBO rating is so you can compare it to these other bows. And you know, if you if you got a bow from yesteryear that's got a 325 or a 320 rating, you could probably pick up some speed going to the new, you know, 340 IBO bows that um I was going to say, never, never going to quite hit it. They've been lying for years. So <laughs> your 320 is probably 310. So I was going to say, 340 is probably 330. Man, that'd be the only reason I think I'd want another bow. Also, because I really like after the years of shooting this bow, I, I've really gotten accustomed to it and I, I shoot quite well with it. Yeah. I can, I can pick it up and get back into the rhythm pretty quickly. Like my Vegas scores will if i haven't shot in a while and i pick it up and i start scoring myself again pretty quickly i can get get back to pretty pretty close to where i was so totally. that's that's what i like about it um same with my arrows like i haven't changed my arrows and the however many dozens of arrows i've built same with my release um so yeah that is yep. one thing i do like about keeping the setup well it's not uh, a lot of the gear that really makes a difference in elk hunting is not sexy right it's your bows or sorry, it's not your boots. <laughs> it's your boots, mm-hmm. right? That make a monstrous difference. It's your broadheads. It's your um, uh, some of the terminal gear you use for backpacking. Not terminal gear. Your uh, your day like your loadout gear mm-hmm. for backpacking. It'll save you like an extra two or three pounds, which really helps you move around a lot better. Um, but really, like the most impactful thing for elk hunting is just shooting more. It's your skills, right? Right, right. Um, it's not the gear, like we've talked about my philosophy on gear. I'm super, super into it. Cause I want to, I want to eliminate all things I can control and gear is something you can control. Right. Yep. Um, but I don't, yeah, I just don't, uh, I don't see the case for a lot of these now, especially if you're buying every year, because I think you'd be better off sticking with one that you get to know intimately. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the biggest upgrades you can, you can get is buying your own bow press or buying your own drawboard. Um, mm. That I would take a crappy bow from 2010 with my own press and drawboard over a brand new one that I didn't know how to tune or couldn't tune. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, because an untuned bow is just never gonna. Yeah, the yep. penetration, the accuracy. Yep, that. So that's one: the speed, the accuracy, the untuned. Like that's huge, right? But also, like, so that's the most important thing. Like, can you put an arrow where it should actually go? Um, same with rifles too doesn't matter if you have an elephant gun, if you put it in the guts. Um, but on top of that, like it's, um, it's the little tweaks you can make, right? So if you, like I said, a bow with a eighth of an inch difference in draw length will actually make a huge difference in how you hold. And so to me, that's, that's more important because you can actually pick up two or three bows in the shop and you're like, wow, this one holds a lot better. And it's not because that bow is actually better for you. It's just because that draw length happened to be one that's a little closer to yours, right? It's three eighths of an inch long instead of a half an inch or a, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so the fine tuning that comes with archery makes a much bigger difference than the macro um, thing. One thing right. I will say though, is like, if you don't have one of these bows right now that has this 80, 85, 90% let off the ability to just change that with the screws on the cam, mm-hmm. that is effectively your ability to micro tune your draw length. Um, so I think that's a really cool upgrade for a lot of guys that don't have the time or the wherewithal or the know-how to, to do that. You can just move between those and go, wow, I'm way more accurate. And this bow holds a lot more steady in 85%, right? Cause it's mm-hmm. your draw length is actually right where it should be. Yeah. But, so there's a few different reasons, but I think it's always about like not buying into the hype. Um, it's about two things, not buying into the hype. It's about making sure you're actually doing an apples to apples comparison in the bow shop. That you're not believing someone when they tell you an IBO, you're not believing someone when they tell you a weight, um, or not believing someone when they tell you a draw length. Like those three things are always lies, always. 
So it's actually comparing those across each other. And then the third is just making sure you know what you want. Like, why are you doing this? Um, and that's a great philosophy for life and anything you make a big commitment to. <laughs> but like, if you, you know, if you're just going in to, I can guarantee you the bows always will feel and look better than the year before. Like they got to sell them. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're not stupid. Um, but it's just, it's always going to be, you know, I think these days it's like one or 2% better versus it used to be five or 10% better every year. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we covered a lot here. Any final, any final tips or, or big like summarizing points that you want to make to guys looking at the new bows or. No, I mean, I think, oh, I think I forgot to talk about prime. Um, oh, we did Hoyt. We did Matthews again. I, like hopefully guys aren't going to go send me hate mail. Cause I poo pooed their favorite brand. Like, Again, if you're fine carrying the weight, you like the hold, you like, it's totally cool, man. Like, <laughs> don't, don't feel bad. Um, so I think the, the PSE, um, bow, the carbon RX seven ultra, and then the prime inline is actually one that really jumped out at me because primes used to have kind of the prime ping, which is the noise they made when you shot them. They used to have a little bit of vibe, uh, essentially their cams, they're very stiff draw because their cams were so heavy that you, they were less efficient than a lighter cam. So they had to draw stiffer to hit the same IVO ratings as other bows. And this is the first year they've gone to a single track cam instead of a dual track cam. So they're now fully, hilariously enough, the same as everyone else. They're now binary system with a single track cam with dual limbs, all the things prime that everybody used to know have gone away. Um, but they've got one of the best elk hunting bow specs I've seen. Um, on the market, they've got a 343, so 35 inch axle to axle bow that is a six inch brace height, which is really rare. Almost always the 34, 35 inch bows have a seven inch brace height. Yours is yours is also a 35 with a six inch brace height, Josh. Like you have a total. That's another thing. It's like you don't sell that bow because they don't really make them like that anymore. <laughs> Whoa. Um, Interesting. But that's phenomenal because I don't really want that extra inch. I don't. I've seen studies where guys have shot both back to back of the same bow manufacturer. You can never get an apples to apples, but like my experience, it doesn't make a huge difference. Um, so I love a six inch brace height. So to get a long, super stable, accurate bow, like a 35 inch bow with a six inch brace height that still keeps that thing smoking fast. Um, that's a really cool bow and prime tends to be a little better about their weights. So it's five, 4.5 pounds, but I think it'll probably come out for seven. The one I weighed was about four, six, but I don't know if I trust the scale of the shop I went to. Um, and that's only 1200 bucks versus some of these other ones that are crazy expensive. Um, so that's a really cool bow. Like that was one I shot and I actually liked, but again, going from a carbon bow now to an aluminum bow there, it's like, and paying to do it. I don't know. It just didn't seem right. Um, so that was, that's the only other one I totally forgot. And I said, yeah, Boteca wasn't a, Huge fan of. They're nice bows. No, nothing wrong if you got a bow tech, but just didn't stand out to me. Nothing was crazy. But I think those are the three standouts this year. And if guys are looking for a really good, longer elk hunting bow, this, the 33-inch Levitate and 35-inch PSC Aluminum 1 or 34, 35, whatever that is, the RX-7 Ultra Hoyt, the Prime Inline 5, those are all really, really good uh, Western hunting bows. So great ones too to pick up uh a year or two from now right when they're uh, yeah half off for free yeah and then that'll be like a four years of innovation above my current bow that i have now even though mm -hmm. it's used at that time so yeah <laughs> something to keep in mind yeah but, anyway uh, i've been uh this has been a rambly one because i'm a little sick like i said <laughs> but uh i think that hopefully a lot of the a lot of the message got across to guys that just like there's a lot of nuance to think about bows and there are bows that are like really tuned specifically for um, they're going to make you more likely to kill an elk yeah they're just a better match for the backcountry style hunting we're doing right and at the end of the day you gotta you gotta shoot them and then make sure you're actually compares comparing apples to apples use the calculator online and uh see what feels good for you totally yeah and i think uh i mean at the end of the day it's that feel right um, but just realize what that feel comes from it might be that the draw length's a little different you know, you might, you might really like the way a bow holds, but it's, it's the pins are moving around and you know, maybe drop that cam in the shot by a half inch under your draw length. And you'd be surprised. It might tighten up a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you so mean by just, those micro tweaks to get it to fit with you really well, huh? Yeah. So don't just go into yeah. the bow shop and shoot, you know, tell them 38 on everything, shoot them all and go like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, test it, play around with it, tweak it a tiny bit. If they're a good bow shop, they won't care. You know, they want to build a relationship, not to do a, do a right. one-time sale. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah. So yeah. anyway, hopefully that helps guys out. That's why I'm sticking with mine for the time being. Didn't quite find enough. And what do you think, Josh? You're running out and buying a bow? No, no, because uh, you know that money and time thing. Yeah, it's the other way around yeah. for me. So, yeah. <laughs> soon enough, right? So I got um, I got to stick with my bow for now. But I love yeah. that. So and now I, there's a lot better stuff to spend money on. <laughs> uh, I've gone. I've worn through two pairs of boots in the last month and had to replace them both. So that's like four or five hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we covered a lot in this one. Excited to uh, prep and hopefully pick up our monthly check-ins as we get closer. I've been building a lot of arrows and got a Hawaii hunting trip coming up in May and exciting year to prep, got some complications with the tag, got stuff to figure out. So yeah, exciting times. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening guys. we got a lot of really like it's, it's, I always get excited in the New York because there's a lot of stuff to talk about elk hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are, if you are going elk hunting this year, you've got a lot to think about. It's January. You should be Wyoming draw closes at the end of the, you know, the 31st year of the month. You've got you know, different tags you're picking up, new bows, new gear. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming your way. Super excited to be back on the podcast. So I'll catch you in two weeks.